0: those leading our worship today um isn't it great to be in god's presence together um i want to thank you the sound guys the techie guys you know there's lots of people that do things behind the scenes and we're going to see some slide. well we are seeing a slide now um and abby um i'm not sure if abby's here today but abby our administrator is so helpful to me believe me if it was left up to me This scripture would not be looking like this on the screen. (laughs) So lots of people serving behind the scenes, and for which I am very grateful, and I'm sure we all are. So we had a reading from the message earlier on of these verses in Job, and if you want to look at Job, if you have your Bible or your phone, we're looking at Job 38 today. I'm encouraged to get your, your Bibles out. And Job says, here the reading is, Where were you? God asking job where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements surely you know or who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of god shouted for joy king has explained the plight of job and his mates as they talked And here was God speaking out of the whirlwind. Today, we're continuing in our series of of God as Incomparable. It's the last chance to buy the book that we're looking at this series today. And there'll be some in the foyer after. Please do help yourself and if you can pay. Um, But please do take one as we continue through this series. It's the last chance you'll have to buy it here at the church today. A few years ago, um, for his birthday, I gave Mark a trip to Kew Gardens to the Orchid Festival. Um, You know, keeping orchids, I reckon, is a bit like making meringues. You either can do it or you can't do it, okay? Don't know if some of you have had orchids, but uh, some people can keep them and some people can't, but Mark can. And walking around the greenhouses at Kew... The wonder of seeing such an amazing array of orchids, each with their own specific colorings, with the stamen, with the shapes. Absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, when I walk around places like that, I just want to worship. (laughs) I just look at these things, and I just think, God, you are amazing to have created such beauty, such intricacy. Now... Consider this pile of logs. Who could imagine creating wood? I can't get my head around God coming up with the idea of I'll make wood like this. Or a tree like this. The height of a redwood, the types of trees, the shapes, the cedar, the poplar the blossom of a cherry, the shape of an oak leaf. God, the creator, brought all this into being within the basic concept of wood, <laughs> but with all these varieties too. But all this pile of wood, or a tree, doesn't make for this. I'm going to try and move on here. I don't know if you can see this. This is a sculpture in wood. It's a finished product. This is the work of a craftsman called Grinling Gibbons. It's an unfortunate name, really, isn't it? But there we go. He was born in 1648 in Rotterdam. His parents were British, um, but he lived in uh, the Netherlands. And Grinling Gibbons, Gibbons, apparently, according to the website of the Grinling Gibbons Society, um, is known as an unequaled ability to transform solid, unyielding wood and stone into something truly ethereal. He's known as an unequaled ability. Now, when you look at this, I don't know if you can see it, but there's a guy in the middle here who's raising... There's quite a few of them raising their arms. And what they're actually doing is stoning Stephen... This is the first martyr, and it's Gibbons' interpretation of the stoning of Stephen as the first Christian martyr. You see, Gibbons takes the wood, but he carves it. See the skill, the imagining, the design, the shaping of the wood that that goes on here? If you get a chance, you can see his work in the V&A Museum, in St. James's Piccadilly, in um, Westminster Abbey. You know, he's kind of very famous as a, w- as a wood sculptor. A craftsman taking a basic design but transforming it, creating, designing. <coughs> this morning we are thinking of God not only as the creator but as a craftsman. And the passage we read from Job Um, as you know, Job and his friends had been debating who this God was, what on earth was he about. They were spouting on chapter after chapter of long words, and then God speaks out of the whirlwind. In comparison to God, God says that Jacob is ignorant, sorry, Job is ignorant. Um, We have And then we have, from chapter 38 onwards, two chapters where God is basically asking questions to challenge the ignorance of Job. Job, I guess, is here representing mankind. I think if we were honest, we could put ourselves in the place of Job as we question God. So for two chapters, God asks somewhat rhetorical questions uh, of Job. And in chapter 40, verse 1, God asks Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? How many times, I wonder, have we sat in the place where we have been complaining or critical of God or what we think God has done or what He hasn't done? Job finally acknowledges in chapter 40 and verse 4, he says, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? In comparison to God, he just had questions. He just didn't know God was the Almighty. He was humbled before God, and Job acknowledges who God is. What God is showing to Job and he wants to do with us also is that not only is he the creator, but he is the almighty craftsman at work. People might ascribe to Grinling Gibbons having unequaled ability, but God, the master craftsman, let's look again at the scripture. He surveyed, he worked out the dimensions, he measured, he sunk bases. He placed the cornerstone for all that he has made. He crafted and continues to craft with immeasurable, incomparable skill. He truly has the unequaled ability to craft. You see, the creator, the creator creates the wood, but a craftsman takes it and makes something of it. He or she works with it. The work goes on. The transformation from a block of wood into that finished product. Um, Let's look at it again. It's not just a block of wood cut down from a tree, is it? A craftsman's taken that and worked with it. He would think about its depth, the the person designing, the the texture, the shape, the natural lines in it, the colours, working with the grain, the hardness of the wood, the softness of the wood but with a final design in mind. You didn't just suddenly think, oh, look, that's the stoning of Stephen. I mean, he obviously started with a design in mind, but he crafted it from the wood. But the work involves chipping and shaving and smoothing. Can you see the tools here of the craftsman at work? But what a finished product. So what is God crafting now? Well, our world is developing. God's creation changes, adap- adapts, develops. We sang, didn't we, about evolving in pursuit, just in the song we sang. But all within God's overall plan. If you look at verse uh, chapter 38 and verse 24, it says, where is the path to the source of light? Where is the path? The inference is that only God knows where the source of light is. He designs and provides, he changes every sunset and sunrise. Again, we sang every painted sky, a canvas of your grace. Or we sing, who has told every lightning bolt where it should go, or seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow, who imagine the sun and give source to its light. This is from verse 24 here. Yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night. None can fathom, indescribable, uncontainable, your amazing God. And God, friends, has not taken his hands off the controls. I know sometimes it feels like like we see tragedies, like we see in our world. He sustains, Hebrews 1 tells us, he sustains the world by the word of his power. God continues to show his saving grace and mercy to a very, very broken world. Romans 8 talks about the whole world is groaning as we wait for the children of God to be revealed. We know that we live in a groaning, broken world and God has not taken his hands off his world. So he's continuing to shape our world that we live in. But what of people? What of people? Is God crafting people? We see a man and a woman there, and we know that in Genesis 1, God says, let us make human beings in our own image to be like us. And he made man and woman. I don't know whether you know, but uh, throughout Genesis 1, when God creates the light and the day and all those sort of things, he said, and it was good. God saw it and it was good, okay? But when he creates man and woman, he actually says, verse 31 of Genesis 1 says, what he made was very good. The pinnacle of what he had made was very good. Psalm 139 tells us, that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. He knitted us together in our mother's wombs. He declared his creation was very good. Just like the wood or that spectacular tree, God's design was very good. Our human bodies are amazing, aren't they? If any of you have had surgery, and I unfortunately have had my fair share, um, isn't it incredible that bodies heal up? I mean, isn't it incredible? I'm looking at a nurse over here as we think I oh, was well, delivering babies. They are. Your work last night, probably. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, um, we know that God is amazing the way He's created us. How can one part of your body compensate when another one is hurting? You know, the way that God has made our bodies is very good. Um, and I know that for me personally, it would actually take me more faith to believe that somehow, from matter, nothing, that all this wonderful way that our bodies work is would happen. You know, I, it would just take me more faith to believe that than actually Creator God created and sustains our lives. But what is God grafting in the lives of His people, people who choose to walk in His ways? for many of us, maybe we thought that when we first came to get to know Jesus, know about Jesus, took a first step of faith, that that was the arrival. We've made it. We're in God's family now. We're saved from our sins. We've seen the light, whatever words you want to use. Um, That's our first encounter with Jesus. But did we realize, though, that God's desire is to continually craft us? It wasn't Day one, we arrived when we gave our lives to Jesus, or asked Jesus, or prayed a prayer of faith. Or it was the beginning of God shaping us into the image of Jesus. He made us to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. We sang in the, the song at the at the, begin, or the video at the beginning that, that it, uh, Kinga showed. A people Potter. Did you pick out those words? That God is a people Potter, making us into His image. Two Corinthians three. Says that the Lord, who's the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Or again in Romans 8, God knew his people in advance and he chose them to be conformed to the image of his son. That's Jesus. That Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. Amazing, isn't it? Jesus was just the blueprint. And we are being continually crafted into the image of Jesus, if we allow him. You know, I wonder, as I thought about this, whether some of us, sometimes, we try to do things the other way around. What what do I mean by that? Well, perhaps we act as if actually we're the center, we're the creator, that we imagine God in our own image. And we think that we're the craftspeople. craftsman with our own design of how we want god to be and we're disappointed when he doesn't come out like we want that he doesn't behave or respond or answer the prayer the way that we intend perhaps we've usurped the role of the master craftsman and want to shape our lives the way we intend or design and rather than god making us in his image we try to make god in the image that we have for him i wonder if we're totally honest with ourselves if we don't habitually or occasionally do that we come to communion this morning uh, and it's a fresh chance to confess our need for god to take back control to be the center to be the master craftsman rather than us I invite you to think about that as we come to the communion table this morning. You see, we're not the finished product, my friends. The master craftsman has got a lot to work to do in us and uh, on us. So how, do we do, how does he do that? Well, if we've invited him to be Lord of our lives, then he has already set to work. Philippians 1, 6, the master craftsman says, God who has begun a good work in me. God has initiated this, friends. He's picked up his tools. Maybe some of us have experienced being under God's lathe. I don't think I've ever really done woodwork. I don't think I'd be very good at it. But having sharp bits shaved off or chiseled experiences that we've gone through, circumstances we're facing, and it feels like a chiseling. It feels like a pummeling. Or maybe we've heard God's voice either audibly or through scripture, speaking to us about the things he wants to change in our lives, areas where we need to repent, laying down our own wills to his will and his design for our lives. God often uses experiences to refine us, to bring about changes in us, to give us a new understanding of him, to purify us, taking us deeper into an understanding of who he is and just how much he loves us. Another image in the Bible speaks of gold being refined, being purified when precious metals are smelted down to burn off impurities. You know, if such metals could feel, do you think it'd be painless? (laughs) And for us who experiences the challenges, the refining, it is certainly not pain-free. The transforming work of Christ in our lives is not a quick overnight fix. It's not a quick Botox injection. It's not super glue that just joins together in, in seconds. God is at work as the master craftsmans to mold us and to conform us into the image of his son Jesus. And if we're honest, there's still a long way to go. At least I know that in my own life. Johnny Erickson Tard is an American woman who at 17 uh, dived into a pool and uh, broke her neck and has become a quadriplegic. And she came to realise after many years of frustration and limitations that God was at work through those things. She says that God's purpose is not to make us happy, but to make us more like Jesus. That's the final design he has in mind, friends he is still at work in us, and he's got that picture in his mind. The verse in Philippians says, one verse six says, it ends by saying, God who began a good work in you will bring it, will carry it on to completion, will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Grinland Gibbons was not the kind of guy that gave up halfway through. Otherwise, we wouldn't have these amazing works of art in in our country and around the world. He worked patiently till the masterpieces were complete. And God, in the same way, is committed to completing (laughs) the work he has started in us. He saved us through Jesus. We remember and celebrate that again today as we gather but he continues to graft us, to make us, craft us into the image of his son. That Jesus, when he comes on that great day, will be the first amongst many brothers and sisters, folks. We will look a bit different in those days. I mean, I don't mean be physically. I don't really know. But certainly in terms of reflecting the image of Jesus. He is the blueprint. God is fashioning us into his image. The master craftsman is at work transforming us. So the question, I think, for myself, for ourselves, is will we surrender again to his work in our lives as the craftsman, knowing that his eye for detail is far, far greater than any designer? His power to change is far greater than my will or attempts to be what I want to be. Will we allow him to work in us to produce the most amazing outcome for which we will give him all the thanks and glory on the day of Christ Jesus. Let's take a moment to reflect together. The master craftsman is here by his spirit. He is working in our lives. Let's take a moment to pray. We come in confession before you that so often, we think we know the best design for our lives. When in fact, it is you and you alone who are the master craftsman. Some of us come in pain. We feel we're under the chisel. But we ask God that you would work through our pain to make us more like Jesus. Thank you for your promise that you who have begun a good work in us, you promised to bring that to completion as well. God, we thank you for your work in our life, for ever bringing us to know you, for the cross, the entry point into knowing you, to knowing your forgiveness and your life in our lives. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to uh, stand and sing the first two verses of I Cast My Mind to Calvary as we come round the table of the Lord, where Jesus bled and died for me. Um, so, we're going to sing the first two verses and the chorus. And as we sing, I would like to invite those serving us in communion today. We've had a few changes in the program of who's serving us today. So, I'm going to.